Well, good morning, Hillside. Good morning. How are we doing today? Good morning, Lori. It is so good to see you all, uh, as Lori just yelled. My name is Caleb, uh, and I, I'm, uh, I'm interning as a pastoral assistant here at Hillside right now. Uh, it is my honor to be speaking with you guys today. Uh, today we're actually going to be delving in to uh, one of the more famous passages here in Matthew, in our Matthew series. It's going to be the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to be looking at what that means in relationship to the kingdom of God. So we're just going to jump right in. If you've got your Bibles with you, you can open those up. If you'd like to crack open your phone, feel free to do that. We'll have it on the screen behind me. But uh, may the Lord bless the reading of his word. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Right before this pandemic began, which uh, to some of you, including myself, seems like an eternity ago, uh, I went to a funeral for a friend. Now, at this funeral, most of the people in attendance would not have considered themselves to have been uh, uh, followers of Jesus in any way. And yet what surprised me was when the minister invited all of us to join in and, and pray the Lord's Prayer together, it seemed like almost everyone in the room had the words to this prayer, especially if you do it in the old King James Version. You know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. This prayer that Jesus invites us into uh, is one that maybe has become so familiar to some of us, including myself, that it, uh, it becomes easy to kind of go on autopilot whenever we hear these words. It's easy to maybe not think about what Jesus is actually saying. So today, my hope is that Jesus will recapture our imaginations when approaching this passage, uh, and that this prayer will reignite deeper layers of engagement, both with Christ and with the Father. So would you join me as I pray over this time we've got? <sighs> Father, we just uh, thank you for uh, bringing us all together here today on this Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, Father, we just pray that you would speak to us today, Lord, uh, that your spirit would enter this place, Father, and that uh, your name would be glorified above all. We ask all these things in your most holy name. Amen. We're going to start at the very beginning of the prayer portion of this passage, uh, where, where Jesus opens with our Father. 
Uh, I don't know about you guys, but it is often really easy for me uh, to know how somebody feels about me with kind of the first words that they say to you the first time they see you in a while. You know, this happens to me the most when I'm on a, a bus or I'm, you know, going around Costco, you know, that once a month trip that you kind of have to do. Uh, oftentimes, you hear something that's kind of actually intimate or, or something that's filled with love. You know, oh my goodness, I've missed you. Or it is so good to see you again. And other times, it's a classic, you know, oh, I'm good, you? Oh, yeah, no, life, life's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? It's pretty easy to tell the difference in those situations. On maybe you can see what these people think about you. When Jesus teaches his disciples to use the word Father to begin their individual prayers, he's introducing a radical new way of speaking with God. (laughs) Now, the Old Testament, it contains plenty of passages that talk a lot about God as the Father, but it's always in a communal sense. God as our Father, and never at all in any kind of individual sense. Here, uh, Jesus begins by teaching uh, the disciples, hey, use the name that I use, Abba, Abba Father. And you might have heard this word before. Abba Father is a, uh, uh, an intimate name, a name that is imbued with love. Right now, my grandma is here, and she is visiting uh, from Ontario. We're very excited to have her here. And she has recently become a great-grandmother. Yeah, it's really, really exciting times. She has the three cutest great-grandchildren in the world, which shouldn't come as a surprise to any of you. Us greys, we're a good-looking bunch. But... uh, However, when you look at it, great-grandma is actually a really hefty title to be taking around on the day-to-day. And so her great-grandchildren call her Gigi. Uh, And and it's it's a name that is kind of like, in the same sense of Abba, it's imbued with this kind of love, right? And maybe you have names for uh, your parents or your grandparents or your kids have names for these people as well. Opa, Oma, uh, uh, all these different names that you have are really personalized names, right? They, they, they have a lot of history within the family that you're in. And uh, uh, I call my mom's mom, for instance, I call her Amma, you know? Uh, I, it's a name I call her out of love. Um, Abba is the same way, a name marked by intimacy. And this is why I use the word radical when talking about what Jesus is saying here. He's saying that he is coming to earth that, that his coming to earth is ushering in a whole new reality, a whole new paradigm, a whole new closeness with God. Something changed when Jesus came, where he's now offering this personal relationship with God, one that is unique, not only to the religions of the world then, but to the religions of the world here and now and today. Abba Father is someone who is close to us, who cares for us, who loves us, who walks alongside us. Abba Father even fights on our behalf. And because we know God through Christ, we are given the gift of being able to approach him as our heavenly father. This is the powerful reality that is brought by Jesus bringing the kingdom of God to earth. Now, that's, that, this leads well into what we're going to be talking about next, which is the your kingdom come part of this prayer. 
If we look at Jesus' teachings, and especially we're in a series on Matthew, so you're going to be hearing about this a lot, we see this common theme of what Jesus is talking about. It seems as if Jesus cannot stop announcing that with him, he is bringing the kingdom of God, that the kingdom of God has now arrived. Uh, This is not only the central thrust of the Lord's Prayer, This is in part the good news that Jesus brought with him. The kingdom of God is here, right here, right now, and you can walk into the kingdom right now if you follow me. That's what Jesus is saying. Unfortunately, uh, many Christians have reduced the good news that Jesus announced to a belief that all that this is, all that Jesus was doing, was uh, that, there is, that, that, that he was trying to get us into heaven, that that, that was the sole purpose of Jesus' ministry on earth, that there's some magical ramp that we hit when we uh, come to the end of our lives and we need a secret code, and that secret code is the gospel, and when we give it, that's how we get into heaven. The gospel has become a proclamation of the minimum requirements, the minimum requirements for getting into heaven after we die. Here's the problem with that. Where in the New Testament did Jesus ever say, I'm going to give you the minimal requirements? I'm going to equip you guys with the bare minimum just so that you can sneak by on judgment day. The fact of the matter is Jesus never says anything like that. He actually, he actually says things like, my purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life, abundant life, life to the full. That's John 10.10. 10. And, and, and in John 4.14, 4, he says, those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. This doesn't sound to me like anything like bare minimum, minimal requirements. Uh, it sounds to me like Jesus is saying all the preliminaries have been taken care of. Everything that you had to do before, I've done that. I've done all that work. And the kingdom of God has been made available to anyone who wants it. So rearrange your plans for how you're going to live, knowing about this incredible offer. My prayer, my honest prayer, is that God's kingdom comes in my life, comes in our life here at Hillside. And and don't get me wrong, uh, uh, Jesus offers us forgiveness of sins that we can never achieve on our own. And of course, He died on the cross for our sins to achieve our salvation, and by trusting him, we will live forever our eternal life with God in his presence. But the good news, the really good news, is Jesus announced it is so much more and so much bigger than that because Jesus' overall mission was to be a kingdom bringer. So what do these words mean in our every day, our day-to-day lives. Jesus teaches us that those who experience the kingdom, those who experience the kingdom come to those who invite God into their world. That's a part of what Jesus is saying here when he's saying, may your kingdom come. This is not some otherworldly thing. 
uh, that Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray for. In fact, later in this chapter, in Matthew 6, if you read on past where we finish today, uh, Jesus starts to talk about the stuff that concern, you know, ordinary people like you and me. Jesus uh, starts to talk about the struggles that we have with money, with saving up and, and having enough and, and, and making our life about money. Jesus talks about uh, uh, worrying about uh, having enough to eat and having, you know, clothes on our back and clothes for our kids and, and worrying about are we going to live long enough? The, the, the anxiety that might come to some of you when we think of the, uh, that time of our life. And if you read Matthew 6 to the end, Jesus talks about all this stuff, and then he says this. Instead of frittering away your life on, on that stuff, on having enough and being enough and, and living long enough, don't worry about it. Because your heavenly Father knows that you need those things. Instead, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and all the rest will be taken care of. In other words, pray, may your kingdom come in my life because the kingdom of God, folks, it's come. It's accessible right here, right now. And, and, and the kingdom isn't just an expectant yearning for the coming of Christ somewhere down the road. It, it also expresses our desires to see God's kingdom increased and established throughout the entirety of the world. Uh, this means that while we can pray, Lord, bring your kingdom in my life, I want to see you move in my life, we also get to pray for the rest of the world. We can, we can start with, hey, Lord, come, uh, let your kingdom come in my life and in my family's life and in my extended family's life and my neighborhood and my work. But then we get to move out from that too. Lord, let your kingdom come in, 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 in Coquitlam. Let it come in, in British Columbia. Let it come in the world. I, I think of places like now, like Afghanistan and the turmoil that's going on there right now. Any day now, uh, uh, experts are saying that because they're so behind on their electricity payments, any day the entire country could go dark. Any day. They could lose all power. We need to be praying, Lord, bring your kingdom in Afghanistan right now. Bring your kingdom, uh, we heard this morning, in Seja, in Kenya, Lord. Bring your kingdom in India and China to our neighbors to the south, the U.S. The kingdom of God doesn't recognize our earthly borders. All of these places need our prayer for the kingdom of God to show up in real ways. Now, do we believe that can happen? Do we believe that the kingdom of God can, can move in our life and can move in the world? Because that's an important question, because Jesus taught that the kingdom of God comes to those who invite him in. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I, I feel a tad hypocritical coming up here and talking to you about this stuff. Inviting the kingdom of God into my life is something that is very difficult for me. Uh, one of my greatest struggles over the last few years, I've been at university for the last four years, and uh, it has become increasingly easier for me to get really comfortable with the habits that I build. COVID was kind of like the one-two knockout punch at the end of the road for me as well. Um, struggling with loneliness and stress and depression, uh, 
I found that it became all too easy to slide into rhythms that lifted up the own, my own kingdom that I had built around myself. And, and here's the thing. I would still go to school, and I was, I was studying this. I was studying the Bible, and I would go to church on Sundays, and I would sing, and I would pray with people. And, and, and all that I found is I'd, I'd, I'd come home, I'd come back into my space, and I'd sit down in my comfy chair, and I'd revel in, oh, now I'm back in my kingdom. Now I'm, now I'm back where I want to be. And, and the funny thing is, folks, I had become what Jesus was talking about at the beginning of this passage. The hypocrites who would pray uh, for the sake of others, the pagans who would babble their mouths, that, that was in a lot of ways the life that I was living. And then uh, on a low night, when I was kind of faced with all of my, cons- uh, my, my insecurities, all of my failures, in kind of the heart of that, the Lord spoke to me. And it wasn't some big, giant voice from above uh, that kind of came down. It was a small but very persistent voice, one that said, I see all of you, and I love you. Man, that just cut right deep down. I, I don't even have the full words to describe um, how I felt. But those words actually carried me to seek out uh, some help professionally. Uh, but also, I reached out to my pastor. And, uh, and, and this began the work that Jesus began on me of tearing down my kingdom brick by brick and building up his own. Now, don't get me wrong. This wasn't some one-night, full-pivot, man, look at the leaps and bounds that, that the Lord did to me over the course of, of one evening. But it really has begun the long journey of healing and learning to trust that the plans the Lord has for me are better than the plans I have for myself. Now, let's, uh, let's take a step back here. And uh, let's look at this passage as a whole and try to get at, hey, What is at the core of this prayer? You see, this prayer has the scope for everything that you may possibly need to pray for, all wrapped up into one. And if you don't believe me, I'm going to prove it to you in just a moment here. Daryl Johnson, uh, in his book, uh, 57 Words That Changed the World, uh, he uses the word embrace to describe all that Jesus is saying here. And it's not a typical use of the word embrace. It's, a, it's different, but let, let, me, let, me get, let me just move forward. He says that Jesus, with this prayer, embraces all of time. And by that he means he, he embraces our past with forgive us our debts. What more can we ask for in our past and for the forgiveness of our debts, of our mistakes, of the areas where we're still in the red? He embraces our present with our daily bread. Give us our daily bread. And, 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 and Jesus embraces our future here with uh, lead us not into temptation. This is all amazing, but Jesus also embraces other aspects of who we are. Jesus embraces our humanity, right? Our physical needs, our daily bread, that's what we need. Our social needs, as we forgive our debtors, 
our spiritual needs, protect us from the evil one. And you could go so far as to say Jesus even gets a little political here with let your kingdom come. This last one, we've talked about it already today, but it is a really hard one when you look at it like that. It is really easy even for me to start to put faith in the kingdoms of this earth, uh, to, to see a new political party that I feel like, oh, this is it. This is the one. They get it. They're going to do it. But it's, uh, we need to remember the true justice the true freedom that is grounded in the real relationship and community that comes with the kingdom of God. This prayer is how we join in with Jesus in bringing his kingdom here and now. And what is his kingdom? Well, we find the perfect description for it. Smack in the middle of, of, of the passage, uh, in the middle of all of these petitions that Jesus is making to God, Uh, The part that brings it all together on earth as it is in heaven. You see, this is at the center of the work that Jesus did here. If we're going to see anything from our series in Matthew, it's that Jesus talks a lot about his kingdom, and this is that kingdom. You can throw it on to anything we've talked about in the last few weeks. Uh, We talked about generosity. Lord, let us be generous on earth as it is in heaven. Let us be hospitable, as Kevin talked about, on earth as it is in heaven. Let us be united on earth as it is in heaven. Oh, these seven words sum up so much of what it means for us to be kingdom bringers. This, this prayer, imagine praying this prayer in your daily lives. Our lawyers and our politicians in courtrooms saying, on earth as it is in heaven, Lord. Imagine a world where uh, our, our teachers and students and our office workers in their schools and in their workplaces, on earth as it is in heaven. Our moms and our dads in the day-by-day struggle of what it's like to raise kids. I know my poor parents, we put them through a tough one. And they must have had a couple of doubts along the way. On earth as it is in heaven, folks. The kingdom of God is expanding what is already going on in heaven into the world itself. It is a glorious revolution lifting our eyes from the muck and mire of what we see on this earth, setting them on Jesus the bringer of the kingdom and the savior of the world. My last observation comes from the language that we see used here. Uh, I've spent the last five years studying the Bible and how important language is, and so now it's time for you all to be subjected to a little bit of that. That's what I think. Uh, we're going to be looking at, 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 at and, and it's going to sound a little nerdy, but please bear with me because we're going to be looking at the verbs that Jesus uses at the beginning of this passage. You see, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come, your will be done, would have actually read in the original Greek a little differently. Uh, uh, it would have all read as come your kingdom, be done your will. This, for any of you who really enjoyed your language classes in, uh, in, in school, 
These are called imperative verbs, which pretty much means that these are command words, not asking words. It's easy. Uh, Jesus isn't asking us to pray a prayer of, Father, if you could spare the time, I would love it if you could maybe bring your kingdom. And you can make it really sound like an email with, uh, if it's too much of a hassle, don't sweat it, thrown on there, you know? Now, in ancient Greece, you would have never used these command verbs with any form of superior. And, and the fact of the matter is, that is true for almost most cultures in the world today. In fact, even here, it would be an odd sight to see someone enter into uh, our mayor's office or a politician's office or a CEO's office and say, hey, fix this country now. Or, hey, fix this company now. And yet, this is kind of the way in which Jesus is asking us to pray to God. Come your kingdom. Hallow your name. Be done your will. Jesus is actually inviting us to pray that boldly. Do it, Father. And I might want to add a little please on the end there, but that's just me. And why does Jesus do this? It's because these are things that only God can do. There's a beautiful image of this in C.S. Lewis's uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Aslan, who's this great big lion, and in case you missed the memo, a very strong metaphor for Jesus. Uh, and Aslan has just come back to life uh, after being killed by the witch from the title. Now, this witch has gone around Narnia and has been freezing people, turning innocent creatures into stone. And Aslan, the first thing he does after coming back to life, the first thing he does is he goes to the enemy's fortress her, the, the, the witch's domain, and she begins to breathe on these statues. But he starts with a lion. Let me read what comes next. For a second after Aslan had breathed upon him, the stone lion looked just the same. Then a tiny streak of gold began to run along his white marble back, and then it spread. Then the color seemed to lick all over him as the flame licks all over a bit of paper. Then... While his hindquarters were still obviously stone, the lion shook his mane, and all the heavy stone folds rippled into living hair. Then he opened a great red mouth, warm and living, and gave a prodigious yawn. And now his hind legs had come to life. He lifted one arm and scratched himself. Then, having caught sight of Aslan, he went bounding after him, frisking around him, whimpering with delight, and jumping up to lick his face. Of course, the children's eyes turned to follow the lion, but the sight they saw was so wonderful that they soon forgot about him. Everywhere, the statues were coming to life. The courtyard looked no longer like a museum. It looked like a zoo. Creatures were running after Aslan and dancing around him till he was almost hidden in the crowd. Instead of all that deadly white, the courtyard was now ablaze with colors. What a beautiful image. That's the kingdom of God, folks. Jesus comes and breathes on us. And then this, which is our courtyard, our church here, it's ablaze with colors. And it's only by his power that we become 
these children and heirs to his kingdom. Uh, This isn't about what we can do, how we can prepare ourselves for the coming of the kingdom, but rather how are we going to participate in the kingdom right here, right now, the kingdom that Jesus has invited us into. We must resist the urge to make horizontal that which is vertical. That just means we must resist the urge of making things about us when it's really about what Jesus is doing in us. A few pages later, Aslan asks uh, uh, the giant among them to break down the wall, and he asks the, the, the magical centaurs to lead them into battle, and he, and he, and he asks uh, uh, the horses to, to take the children and the young ones off. Folks, there is a lot of work to be done in the kingdom of God. A lot of work to be done. And it all begins here with the Lord's Prayer, a prayer that is in part Jesus' declaration of a new kingdom, a prayer that invites us into the great revolution of our lives and of our world. A prayer that we can all pray wherever we're at in life right now, I just want you to know, this prayer, it's for you. At this time, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Uh, But uh, (laughs) um, would you consider joining me this week in whatever you're doing, praying this prayer, uttering it wherever you are? Imagine if, if our city were to just come afire and ablaze with, with, with on earth as it is in heaven, Lord. Bring your kingdom here and now. And so this is, this is how I'm going to be praying this prayer this week. Abba, right now, your name is being made holy in heaven. Hallow it here on earth. Right now, your kingdom is being fully realized in heaven. Bring your kingdom here on earth. Right now, your will is being done in heaven. Do it here on earth.